You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back to another episode of Love of Pages, your Geek Elite Media Network virtual book club. Yeah. Where us group of friends have an excuse to get together and make each other read books that we've been wanting to force on other people and drink. So today I have, as always, the lovely Naima. Hey there. The beautiful Jessica. Hello. And the funny Steven. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Elizabeth. Um, So today we are on Naima's second pick in this batch Mm -hmm. because she... Mm. She was the creative person who's like, I know you guys said to pick one that's kind of longer, but I'm just going to pick three that are kind of shorter. <laughs> I like that. They've been great. What? I like breaking the rules. Apparently so does Steven. That was not the right book. <laughs> I, I read your copy. <laughs> yeah, we are just a bunch of rule breakers. It's fine. That's what we do. I, I, so held, I held today, up a good book. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> today we're reading Our Riches by... I'm going to butcher this name. Kathur Adimi? I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody mark today down. Somebody mark today down as I have successfully pronounced a name. <laughs> and that's going to be the last time in today's episode that that's going to occur because I struggled with all of these names. The no. locations, people names. <laughs> It, like anything, anything. And like, this is not going to mean anything to potentially anything to Stephen or Jessica, but every time they referred to Edmund Charlotte or Charlot, however you pronounce his name, I kept actually think of, thinking of him as E.G. Naima. For example, in legal no. citations. Each no. is used in other contexts no. than this. <laughs> I, was like, I was thinking initials. I was like, is there an EG case? No, you just mean E. Not not <laughs> yes, that is, that is literally, I was like, I was like, because how can I shorten him? Like, like I did with T-Dog uh, in the Forever War. Um I'm just looking for, I was looking for something shorter that I could call him. And I kept going, EG, EG. I'm like, no, his initials are not EG. They're EC. EG. EG is a, it's a, it's a shaved cons- ice place. Yep. What? Did you get? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that, that rings a bell. Okay. Yep. I mean, listen, they could have turned his bookstore into an EG's. If this was like two thousand ten, it was close. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of deciding. I think I'm going to go with C Man instead of G Man. <laughs> we'll we'll exclusively refer to them as Charlotte Russe. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! But so before we jump into the book, and I'll hand it over to Naima at that point. Tonight's beverage of choice, because this book takes place in Algeria 
and they do not tend to consume alcohol, although apparently they do produce lovely wine. Things I learned researching, trying to figure out what cocktail to make. We all opted for mint tea Mm -hmm. tonight. So I am drinking uh, just the classic Twinings mint tea. Very unadventurous. Naima, what are you drinking? Uh, we picked up a Moroccan mint, and it's not the country that this book takes place in, but yeah, it's in Africa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> getting there. <laughs> We're getting close. <laughs> you know? uh, Jessica, what are you drinking? This is Harney and Sons Organic Peppermint. Yeah. Yes, it's delicious. Hey, this, this, was this your first experience with Harney and Sons teas in general? No, I have a Deerjeling tea that I've gotten in one of my like book club mm. box thing, subscription boxes thing. I have that, but then you kept on talking about that cinnamon spice so much. And I was just going to buy just straight Harney and Sons mint tea just to try another of their teas. But then as I was looking for it, I found this pack where it had a bunch of different flavors, three packs of each, and it had your cinnamon flavor too. So I'm like, I'll try that. And I, I did have the cinnamon. Oh, it was so good. And the funny thing is, I don't even like, because it tastes like a Red Hot, but like a really nice, I think I described it as like, it's an organic Red Hot drink. Like it's just, <laughs> I don't even like Red Hots, but it was so good. I was like, oh, it's, so it's, it's Fireball? Because it, like when everybody honestly, says. Yes, the, the alcoholic in me was like, this would be great with whiskey. Like just like a shot of whiskey in your top. No, it, it, there's, so it is literally fireball without the whiskey. The, there's a, there's <laughs> orange peel in there as well that kind of rounds it out and gives it this natural sweetness mm-hmm. where you don't oh, have to yeah. put any any sugar or anything. It's really good. Oh no, I usually don't put anything in my tea other than occasionally I'll put in honey, but mm. that's mainly just when I have a sore throat, though. <laughs> Makes sense. And then Stephen, I assume you are also drinking your Moroccan mint. Yeah. Uh, I am reminded that I don't like mint tea very much. Aww, <laughs> mint tea is delicious. The second time on this podcast, you have a drink up there that you are not going to drink. I'm going to drink this. I ran out. Of, I ran out of my other like safe time water. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so what? What? What I'm hearing is we just have to stall long enough so you actually have to drink beverage for the evening oh god i mean conversationally i will i'm a conversational water drinker so (laughs) me too it's a problem when i have alcohol instead of water (laughs) (laughs) yes that is the thing but okay so without further ado naima i'm gonna hand it over to you with our riches Okay, well, Our Riches um, is a slightly, it's two plot lines kind of intertwined into one. So you've got the backdrop of what's actually happening in early 1930s Algeria, and then also fast forward into present day, where we have our, I can't really say he's an antagonist, but no one's going to like this character, (laughs) Riot. Tearing apart a bookstore, and you can't really like that person, you know what I mean? So, um... The main portion of this book is about a man named Edmund Charlot, and he opened a bookstore, a publishing house, a lending library, and a whole bunch of other things, the first ones to exist in Algeria back in the early 1930s. Um, He's really noted for having all of these amazing authors pass through there and him publishing some of their first books like Camus and 
there was a portion in the book where he mentions how Gertrude Stein um, mm-hmm. commented him up in prison. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good one. Like he was like like the, that passage in his journal was basically like freaking like, like why why would she do this? It's so specific with the words she wrote that they came for me. Listen, they were gonna come. He was like, we're under already under suspicion. But this book has a lot of historical backdrop because there is the World War. That's a backdrop in here, and it shows a lot of the colonization of. Africa and sort of the French influence on their culture in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really loved this read because you've got so many uh, interesting characters. And that was one of my first questions for everyone of how did they like the characters? Cause there's Abdallah who's like, I don't want to call him a hermit. I don't think he's a hermit, but he's your grouchy old man outside who lives in the past, but also is endearing and sweet. And then you riad our young aimless <laughs> um, kid who's just taking a job because someone told him he had to and yeah. learned so much but also I don't think that he had a bunch of development by the end of the book <laughs> <laughs> and then of course Edmund Charlot who we have throughout the book his just journal entries so that's where we get the majority of that character from so I think for me, I mean, Edmund Charlot is definitely the protagonist and I, and I liked him and I could somewhat connect to him. Although a number of times I wanted to be like, quit being so nice. Like you need to get a little more cutthroat. <laughs> Backbone. Take the money. Don't just give it away. <laughs> well, not only take the money, but also like your name's the one on the letterhead. Like, control the other people, tell them to go pound mm-hmm. sand. Like, if you're going to be the editor-in-chief, you're the editor-in-chief, and you just have to do that. Like, it's not pleasant. Nobody likes it. That's not the fun part of the job. But it's the necessary part of the job. But besides my frustration, I did actually, I enjoyed that character quite a bit. In terms of Riot and Abdullah, I kind of felt the same the same way about them, surprisingly. I felt kind of sorrow for them or sympathy for them for their general emptiness because both characters were shells of who they really are neither one really having any direction or purpose abdullah because he was so focused on living in the past and Riyad because he was so focused on the future neither one of them was really present or fully there and so I did I did see them as almost the same character. Okay. So. I Oh, sorry. <laughs> I I feel like there was like one character I found fascinating and you never got their point of view and I was kind of upset. But um Manon Charlo his wife yeah i was like she sounds so amazing and you get like like i liked her introduction was basically i was sick manon stayed over she's great i was was like wait you're dating somebody (laughs) when did this happen oh wait now you're married what oh yeah no was it now you're married or was it that oh and manon's pregnant and i was like wait did you get married did i miss that tiny little (laughs) it wasn't in there at all it was basically like i met this woman I have kids. Now I'm going to France. It's like, what? 
<laughs> and I know and she's taking care of, but then she takes care of the store. Like she yeah. runs it and straight up to the point that the other owners of the other things were like, Oh yeah, I remember Manon. She was great. And I was like, I don't know her. Like <laughs> lady that ran the store. And it's like, what a, wasn't it a man? It was like, no, no, he left. It was just he his left wife. for like years. It was his wife. <laughs> I mean, to hold that bookstore up because there was sort of this like I liked her the book that you could like see the decline. And I don't want to say this book is a warning for like any like bright eyed young person that like, hey, get a good business person on your side before you decide uh-huh. to jump in with all your money. Because <laughs> he had like this great like two, three years at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, there's no paper supply because of the war. No printers will do anything. There's no books on his shelves. And he's calling people. And there are these famous like artists and poets that are like, hey, will you print my stuff? And he's like, hey, I don't have paper. So <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I would love to, but put a pin in it. Yeah. No, see, except it's not just young. Like, it's not just young people. Like, that's just generally an issue across the board with anybody who has to run a small business and be in an actual, like, separate profession. Mm-hmm. Like, so many people, like, restaurants go under because somebody is a really great cook or chef, but they don't partner with somebody who's got any business sense. So they, restaurant fails. Mm-hmm. Doctor's offices struggle with it. Accountants, like, just. All sorts of people who are like really good at, I'm really good at this one little area, mm-hmm. but you actually have to run the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whole thing. It's like the passion doesn't always like justify the business because he had big <laughs> dreams. I mean, I remember the passage where he's like, yes, it's going to be the first, you know, like publishing house, lending library. We're also going to be all these things. And it like, he's just turning it and all these things. I'm like, bro, you had 12,000 francs, which I don't know what... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know the conversion rate either. Yeah. Not much. It couldn't have been a lot of money. And they were basically in a New York studio apartment with like a <laughs> tiny staircase and a loft where he could put a yep. like a twin mattress. So you weren't working with a lot and yet promising the world to all of these people who didn't have a platform before, which is lovely and horrid. Like I just I saw it coming before I even read it. I was like, oh, he's doing so well. But are we selling these? It just seems like uh, someone comes in and you give them the book. <laughs> well, and not only are you a bookstore and all those other things, you're also like an art gallery. Yes. And like a <laughs> you got portraits, poetry well, slam location. And <laughs> but it's, it's all of these like wonderful things that like if I ever had to imagine a space I'd like to be in, it's that. But then I imagine it and go... That place will not be in business long. I just <laughs> for for all the reasons you guys have just talked about right now, uh, I liked the person and I saw myself in them because uh, <laughs> every time I wanted to start a business when I was younger, uh, I was presented with exactly these uh, these things about myself, uh, and I knew this would be an issue. And this I, is my dream. I, I very quickly was like. I do not have the things for this. <laughs> and I, I exited this idea in myself. Like I, I walked right past it. This person did not. And they went through all of the pitfalls. Luckily, they also happened to do it in a time where they were the first one to do it. So it still yeah. has a place. It's not just that. that like, it's, it's not the 50th craft brewery in the city. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
to close that month. Like, like <laughs> it's not, it's not just this one-off thing that doesn't matter. So they got to still yeah. have a legacy for it. Um, I did also like Abdullah's crankiness. Um, oh yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Th- there were a lot of interesting characters, but more than anything, I, I liked the different tones they chose to actually write for the people. Cause they weren't pulling mm-hmm. from an actual journal for the person. Um, and so the, one of the things that I liked the most about char- the characters and characterization in the thing were the different tones for them. Like the the way earlier you said um, that like when they were introducing this brand new life change was like three sentences and not even yeah. full sentences at that. That's literally how that's written for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no. Well, and I will say, so I did want to, I had to find the name. The only person in the book that I actually hate is mm-hmm. um, Amarouche. Jean Amarouche. He's the one who... Edmund was partnered with and then like kind of like came in and took it from him mm. and then started bad mouthing him towards the end. And I was like, Oh, you, sir, I don't like right. you. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, he started with two partners and they disappeared as fast as I think I've seen in any book ever. It's like we started a business. Who are those two people? They're gone. gone. <laughs> and that's, that's how that goes. Listen, we, we all watch Tiger King. That's what <laughs> happens in business. I actually have never saw it. I was stuff like Facebook and all those things where you only know the one guy that Uh, did it, not like the background people. But sure, go ahead and talk about feeding people the tiger. But (laughs) I feel like the Winklevosses got more screwed out of things than choosing to just abscond. Yeah. Yeah, I think Uh, my favorite line of Abdullah's was like, "You want to be a destroyer of books, like." He was like, oh, what are you doing here to Riyadh? And Riyadh was like, oh, I'm here to, you know. Do an internship. Do an internship. And it's like, an internship is like, for what job? And he's like, you know, just, you know, close down the bookstore. Like, what are you going to do with the books? He's like, throw them away. It's like, your job is a destroyer of books you're choosing to do with your life. And I just love that characterization because that is what I'm going to call anyone that shuts down a bookstore ever again. Like, as a person who worked at a bookstore while it was Uh closing, that's exactly what that feels like. It's exactly what it feels like. Mine's still kind of almost open, though. I don't know what they're doing with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of dying a slow, painful death. Yeah. A very slow, painful death. I don't think it's ever going to open again, but I don't know what's happening. That's how that goes. Honestly. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. Should, should we give more plot stuff for anyone who's stuck, who, who's here with us, likes the things that we say about yeah. the books? So, so plot. Yeah. Um, I guess like everyone can like point out there. There's a lot that happens in this book, yes. but it's not. I guess it's not. There's not like a follow through to any of the major events. So the backdrop of this book is on so many things. Like um, <laughs> the war is going around. He basically gets like is taken across the world during the military he ends up in prison at Mm -hmm. a point but this like the whole onset of this is it's just this kid that loves books and decides when he is young that he is going to grow up and do all the things that he eventually does accomplish um he does end up opening three uh bookstores two in algeria and one in paris you know one that the book is about that we know live 
think we've said the name of it and I've been avoiding it because I don't speak French and I cannot pronounce it properly, but we're going to butcher this just for the sake of it. So <laughs> it's uh, Le Vrai Riches, which is awful, but I'm going to say that. Can we go with LR? LR, yes. This, the the bookstore. bookstore. The bookstore, yes, bookstore. in Algeria, which I think was the original name of this book was just called The Bookstore in Algeria. Solid. So there's that bookstore as well as a secondary bookstore that he um, eventually ended up opening, which I don't recall the name of. But that one actually got bombed twice yeah. because they didn't like what he was putting out. And there's a whole page of the book dedicated to just the second bombing yeah. of the bookstore. Yeah, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like t- towards the end, there's there's like a page that says like the third bombing, I think, was like the last yeah. one that, that I end up seeing. It was just like, yeah. if it, it's like the book equivalent of like the massive title credits that'll happen in a movie that take up like the full uh-huh. screen. It's like, poof, poof, poof. <laughs> and they're just talking about these bombings that happen. Yeah. So, and the one in France also got bombed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah the second bombing of my Rivage's store, they totally destroyed it. Yep. The wine. Yep. Which is beautiful because that tone is coming out where it's just like he talks a certain way and I would love it very much if Edmund Charlotte did actually speak like this. We can be sure, of course, 1930. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in this book, um, but I don't know if any of the events that actually take place in it are actually like I don't want to say thought out, but there's not like a big point of it. It's just sort of like, here's my story. Like, this is what's happening to me. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that other thing happened. And oh, yeah, I'm friends with Albert Camus. And oh, yeah, Gertrude Stein (laughs) made a comment and I ended up in prison. And Emmanuel Robles and all of these other people that just happened to walk Mm -hmm. past my door, who we know to be these like bigger than life type of like authors and poets and all of these things. They're all kind of just nonchalantly thrown in the book mm-hmm. as if like, yeah, it's just me talking about my friend. Well, it, yeah, it's the bookstore oh. ends up kind of being like this, like studio 54 for authors. Yeah. yeah. So I think that this book takes a very similar approach to 20th century Algerian history as the water dancer did to its topics in that instead of looking at the big historical events, mm-hmm. you look strictly at their impacts on this one individual yeah, character. The micro yeah. instead of macro. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of overall plot for those who aren't tracking, cause there's, there is so much in here, mm-hmm. but for our main two characters, Riyad and Edmund, Riad occurs entirely in 2017 in the winter of 2017. He is a student from Paris. He's a student in Paris from Algeria who needs to complete an internship to graduate. He is going into engineering, but nobody cares what his internship is actually in. <laughs> so through a friend of a friend of, of, of his father, um, he gets assigned to this internship to go clear out what is Edmund's bookstore um, and paint it white so that they can open, so the friend's son can open a beignet shop. Which was fictional, so, by the way. That did not, that yeah. was not a plan for did not the place. Happen. I had to oh, see okay. it. I had to look. 
Well, it says so in the in the last page when he does the sources and such. I didn't read the source part. Oh. <laughs> anyway. So, Ryad travels from Paris to Algiers and goes into the bookstore. We meet his other half, Abdullah, who has been serving. The bookstore had been converted into a lending library run by the government, had been sold off to the investor. The neighborhood got together and decided, okay, we're just going to pretend we don't have any paint so he can't finish this project. <laughs> Abdullah stands on the side of the, on the walkways for the entire length of the book, just kind of in his, in his burial shroud, like kind of glaring at Riot, but also having coffee and conversing with him. Um, eventually throughout the story, Riot attempts to donate the books instead of just throwing them out like he was instructed gets turned away at the school gets turned away from a lot of other people because if it hasn't gone through the proper ministry channels it can't be seen yeah. eventually he does give away some of them to underground organizations and throws the rest of them away along with all of the other shelves and furniture in the bookstore it is never clear if he actually does paint it that doesn't come up <laughs> so that's riads Edmonds, which is the main story, I really feel like, in the book, tracks the history of the bookstore. Starting in the 1930s, Edmund is fresh-faced in college, and he gets with some friends, and he's like, we're going to learn. We're going to learn, and we're going to absorb all these books, and we're going to print Algerian writers. Like, we're going to do this. And then everybody kind of tacks on. And as Naima stated, you know, his first two partners bolt super quick. He gets on additional partners. Throughout, then it's the struggles of having to try and publish in political turmoil, war, um, mm-hmm. shortages of papers, potential prison. The group eventually, after World War II, because France has been demolished, decides that they're going to branch out because their bookstore is the only one still standing. And they open an office in Paris where they're going to become the new FLN, which is the French, um, like New York times essentially is what Mm -hmm. I feel like they're going to create the, they are going to be the voice of France in their publications. Um, they obviously get a crap ton of pushback from the racism that was still, that was, is still heavily prevalent in France. And, because of all of that and the ongoing shortages of paper and their lack of business knowledge, relationships start to fray, business starts to fall apart. Edmund is forced to go back to Al- step down and go back to Algeria. The French bookshop continues to run without him. The Algeria one had been running without him. He mm-hmm. can't run either of those now because he's been excised from the business. Um, so he opens a third one. The French, the f- bookstore in France gets bombed. The bookstore that he now runs in Algeria gets bombed twice. Everything is basically destroyed. He picks up the pieces and kind of starts again. So that's kind of the large brush strokes mm-hmm. of the book, I think. And that was- somebody missed something. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you, like you definitely talked about the impact of the paper shortage in a big way. Do you, do you guys remember several years ago, um, there, there was this time period where you just couldn't get helium because there was like a, there was a yes, national yes. shortage for it. I remember that. Mm-hmm. It was 100% a byproduct of war and war things. Mm-hmm. And yep. 
there just were people who just who didn't look at it as a thing. It was just like, oh man, they usually have balloons here. Like, I, I guess no balloons for this birthday. You know, it's such a small thing, but it is a byproduct of war. We just happen to live in a country that doesn't get to see the real fallout of war in yeah. a dra- as direct of a way. But that stuff's very real. Yeah. yeah, you run into it a lot with spices mm-hmm. in particular. Um, mm-hmm. And there's huge concerns about like rare earth minerals. And in yep. fact... Right now we're in a silicon speaking, shortage. Well, and speaking directly to your statement, Stephen, um, Myanmar, there is assertions that the entire military coup and issue is all in regards to jade. Yep. particularly jadeite, which is yeah. found almost exclusively in northern Myanmar and is currently a very unregulated market. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that there's there's interesting things like that that pop up. And again, if you don't live directly in the place where it's being tussled over, you rarely feel real effects mm-hmm. of it. And so it, like reading this one and just having to deal with that idea is so specific because paper is just taken for granted. And I mean, but it was go ahead that's the like the sort of thing of like it does have these giant repercussions not only for like the country involved in it because like Algeria's sort of side character to whatever <laughs> in Europe because they were there's it's a cultural hub in that like it is predominantly African Arab population there was this whole discussion at the beginning of the book about not intermixing the French people who came into the country and the people that were native to the country because mm-hmm. of the detriment that may have caused. But there's just this sort of like residual effect of what happens to them because they're getting all of their supplies and all of that regulated from France, from other countries and war just shuts that off. And no one in France was batting an eye about it because why, why do you need paper is kind of the thing. So mm-hmm. It, it's it's interesting to kind of see how, like, with the same thing with the helium thing of how something that we take for granted now, but also just, like, something that you don't think about on a regular basis is just like, oh, well, no, we need that. That's kind of something that still makes our world go around. Because if there was ever a paper shortage in the United States, I don't, like, we have computers. We live in a time where it's like, yeah, we don't need paper but there's still so many things that are reliant on paper mostly bathrooms yeah <laughs> no okay <laughs> no i that no, no. bamboo you yeah. cannot take you cannot take my actual paper books like <laughs> i will yeah. put you down and murder you um no i i will not do a digital e-reader but E ink is good. There was a there's a new smaller color e ink reader that came out this month. Got real excited. Turns out it's trash. Listen, there was a whole conversation about this in this book. <laughs> All conversation. <laughs> like, it was, yeah. <laughs> no e reading book and throw. <laughs> and what I really like about this book is. I feel like it gives you a way into a section of history that at least I am not very familiar with. And I mean, I, mm-hmm. I majored in history in, in college, but obviously attending school in the United States, it's very Western centric, yeah, very U S centric even. Um, so Algerians in Algeria's independence is not a heavily discussed topic. 
And I feel like you get, while it doesn't dive into any one of these really important events, you get introduced to them. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that sets it up to be a really good potential classic that you might use in a literature class, like particularly if you are of the mindset where you're, you know, your sophomore English and your sophomore world history teacher try and merge curriculums and and play off each other, that this would be one of those that gives you a chance to really kind of dive into that without, yeah. From that point, it's like, I think of it like, this, I feel like a big part of our history and why we're, I can't say it's the reason why we're so exclusively Western or like US centric, but <laughs> it might be a good excuse that people use it. Just like sometimes there are parts of history that are just detached, like they occur there. There's not like residual effects that would have affected anyone in the US that mm-hmm. would have affected anyone else. But mm-hmm. like this book puts it in the perspective of, hey, the things that were happening in Algeria, the reason that we have this, the reason that we were in such detriment, all of these things happened. The reason that these people were even here was because there were other things going on other places. So it's like, it doesn't dismiss the fact that, Hey, World War II is going on right over here, but Hey, World War II wasn't happening on Algeria soil, but it did have effects Mm -hmm. for the people of Algeria and what, you know, their lifestyle looked like. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of that thing of like, Hey, you are interconnected to this place, even though you think like, oh, it's that country I've never heard of, or I don't know much about their history, or why would I? Mm-hmm. One, one mm-hmm. thing that was cool about the book, um, I feel like you like almost, like I was like, oh, you're going to segue into it. But the literal writing style of the opening and the ending of this book is that it's kind of like a travel guide for a moment. Yeah, uh, it's, not speak, yeah. it's not talking to anyone who's from there. You know, it's not like, yeah, like it, it talks about things that are inherent to that area, but it's not saying those things as like, well, you remember Jack. It's it's more like, yeah, when when you visit here, this is what you'll yeah. see. And these are all local landmarks very much like from this place. It it was, it was nice. Want to visit. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I can go to Algeria. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, I mean. Overall, I really like this book. I I did struggle with the format, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. and I could have entirely done without the Rayad portion of the book. <laughs> Interesting. Like I, I honestly I like- could have. Like I don't feel like I would have lost any connection to the bookstore by not having it. And um, I feel like it was important for the message, though. I think he's a device. Yeah, he's a device more than an actual character. Mm-hmm. Or no, absolutely done yeah. slightly differently. I feel like the like the, what they were trying to do was the back and forth. Like you have this bit of Edmund, and you have this bit of Riot, and this bit of Edmund, and that bit of Riot. But I didn't find Riot's portion particularly as interesting, just because it seemed like he was just struggling with things that were more just surface. It was like, ah, well, this was my life there. What am I doing here? It was kind of, it did help with like understanding his character a bit, but I feel like we could have just had like section called Riad and then just continued on without the rest. Mm-hmm. I think it is also kind of like the like classic character of how a person from this time, in, in the way that a person 
will have a different view of something that's so important to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but not have like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. It's just, it's, it's so different for a person to look at something from a different time and still internalize how important it is through the lens of now. And so he, like he's tasked with one very small job. They, they look at him as like this guy who's supposed to destroy some books and everything. But for him, he's just trying to do the thing. That's one of the most important upcoming goals for his life. He's checking a box. He's like, I needed an internship. This is an internship. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, not, it's not even like a, it's not a, a place that's super active. It's like, yeah, like they rent, like they, people check out like three books a month. Like, <laughs> yeah, cool. I'll, I'll go clean that out. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> that was where Abdullah lived. That was about mm-hmm. where the bookstore was at, at that point. But yeah, I did I, like the portions. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I did like the portions for Riot, I guess, where it was kind of describing his not less necessarily dislike of books, but it made it a little bit more relatable. And he's just the type of person that gets very anxious around books because it described his anxiety about being around books. And he basically um, like analogized text in books to mites on the page, which threw me off very well. And there was this whole portion where he got into it. Like how do these people with their nose and their books not know what they're like ingesting and breathing in? And how did they not like end up in the hospital? And like, there, it's ink. You know this. <laughs> it's it's not actual you know books, but like it's kind of like his perspective of what books were. Like they weren't a thing that like lifted you away, or kind of how Abdullah was like that was his company for so many years. It was just that thing over there that he didn't quite understand, mm-hmm. and like a little bit of detachment because he didn't understand it. Yeah, I do think that that scene was very important for his character development. I guess I would have found the message, I guess, a little bit more compelling. Because at first, before we get into the back and forth, you get a like short synopsis of Ab- Abdullah's attempt to save the bookstore. Yeah, And I think I would have found, if you had stretched that out as the entirety to replace Riad's, yeah. I would have found that more compelling because then it's the birth and the death mm-hmm. versus the birth and the after death. It, so I think it, it is an example of the death because I think Ryad, I assume Ryad is a metaphor for eBooks and stuff like that. And technology. That's what I went was Ryad is the death of this bookstore because mm-hmm. he represents the death of the bookstore. Or because people's, he, people's yeah. like lack of care for, Yes, that's what it it is. And there's this term, like, it's opposite of that term where, and I can't remember what the term is, but there's this phrase or word that represents that feeling you get when you look at somebody that's a complete stranger and you look at them and you get this feeling like that person has their life and it's so, and it's as, like, exaggerate as yours, like, it's as amazing as yours, but it's that person's and you'll never know it. And I can't remember what the term is, but it, it made me think of the up it's like basically the opposite of that like riad can't see how important this is Mm. that like because it's all about riad kind of thing and all self-centered whereas people who read books we tend to have that imagination where we connect with people that empathy that because we we know everybody is as complex as we are i really wish i knew the term it starts with an s (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those like weird words (laughs) 
Well, you're thinking on it. I, I guess for me, I see Ryan as the post-mortem cleanup. The bookstore mm-hmm. died the day that it was sold. Mm-hmm. He's simply there for the cleanup, the post-mortem cleanup. And so to me, I guess that's why, because Edmund's story is all about the struggle of the birth, I would have liked to see the struggle of the death. I, for the, I just did, did you find, did you find the word? It's Sonder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. That's what it was called. The opposite, Sonder. The opposite and this of is how like, Elon Musk looks at people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. One of the things, um, Oh, I, I, I lost the thought. Dang it, Elon Musk. Dang <laughs> well, you, Elon. Well, while, while Steven's trying to gather his, any other last thoughts or questions to pose? I mean, to your point, like, I think there was a little bit of death, but it was really small. I think I can, like, chalk it up to maybe, like, two lines where it feels like I there was, like, this scene that to me feels like it came right out of, like, a really depressing movie and they just decided instead of giving it a happy ending they were just going to follow through on the really sad ending (laughs) no one asked for um but it's like raining and he doesn't want to put the shelves and stuff outside because he's come to this realization that it's like i don't necessarily care about this stuff but these people do Mm -hmm. and so watching abdullah on the other end of the street he's like i'm causing a harm by doing this so he's like if i can prevent this harm i'm going to try winter comes around it's snowing and basically this last scene is just shelves out there all the rest of the books out there that he couldn't figure out how to give away basically just being washed away with the rest of you know the rain and it's there's it was like i read that scene it was like well that's a depressing image to have but like it's sort of wrapped it up in that like he felt something it might not have been what we wanted him to because his perspective is he has no interest in books but Mm -hmm. he something for the way that the town felt or the neighborhood and Abdullah felt for that bookstore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I focused on more of that kind of thing for the character because I mean, like I said, like working a bookstore when it closed, I had to work directly with a person whose whole job was going to places and then liquidating those stores. And Mm -hmm. I want to believe more that there's a human side of them. (laughs) That's that feels like, I'm not here to like I, I'm not here to destroy this. I'm I'm here to do just the thing that I'm supposed to do. Listen, I, I will it, believe of that person when I see them looking at every single book and just saying I'm sorry and then putting it down. They, they, <laughs> the, the, the one who came to Hastings bought a lot of books. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah. And that is the good thing about the internet, too, nowadays, is you have a lot of sources for people buying the books that don't sell from big mm-hmm. bookstores. Like, I, I get most of my books from those kind of places because you get the book for, like, half price. And all it is is you get, like, a black dot on the edge yep. of the spine. Or saying, the, the, like, the ink line. Yeah, or the ink line. Or, or occasionally it's, like, if it's printed slightly wrong and the publisher doesn't know what to do with it, but they printed a thousand, you know, you get stuff like that. And that's the one good thing about the internet is that you can have these companies that are sort of like, we'll take your trash because it's not trash. <laughs> so for less. That was That's the entire idea behind um, the business that's gone now. But uh, Factory to You, 
and Fires Paredes. Like that's literally their their business. Like I I I want I'm gonna buy underwear for real cheap. Sure, the left leg's longer than the right leg, but you know what? I got them for like thirty cents. It's okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. I think going off you, Naima, the saddest scene to me was when he goes to deliver picture books to the school and the principal comes out and goes, oh, that's so nice of you, but we can't take them. Yeah. Like the kids need these books, but we can't take them. The guard was, oh no, we can't take that. And he's like, why can't you? It's for children. And he's like, no, because, you know, red tape, some more red tape. Mm -hmm. Cop government yeah. no just go ahead and you you call somebody who will put you on hold and then make you like submit 16 forms online and then still not come get it and then then you'll have <laughs> two years you can donate <laughs> yeah so it was that one and then in Edmund's part it was the brutal description of the massacres in paris oh. of the arabs oh. yeah that was Really hard to read. Yeah, I the took real that, that just I, I, go right in there. I read this whole book today, yeah. and so I'm reading this after being like ninety percent or ninety five percent of the way through another book right now. That's just been depressing the entire time. So just like just drinking more poison today. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's all I did. Yep. <clears throat> Oh, goodness. But so on that note, on that very happy, positive note, Naima, what's our next book to round out your three? Um, book is, I'm going to show it on my phone because I don't know where I put it in this apartment. <laughs> say, I think Jessica's got it in front of her. I Mine have it. Yay! Okay, great. Yes. The Hour of the Star by Clarice Lispector. So this is actually a very old book. Um, Clarice Lispector is uh, the original publisher who wrote it in French. Um, it has been translated two times. Um, I actually have not read this book yet, so I'm very excited for it because it's been on my two, three list for like seven years. But I don't know <laughs> what it's taken me to get to it so long. But there is the newer translation out, which seems to be resonating with a lot more people versus the first one. So I'm very excited about that. But this is a classic novel. And Clarice Lispector is actually one of the most prominent um, French female writers so she's got a lot of books under her belt so if you do like what we read next week i do suggest you looking at a couple other of her books if they're in english i'm not sure they are learn french there you go <laughs> okay it's an excuse to learn french so fantastic um all right to sign us out naima where can people find you i am on instagram at imajanan and also my book blog will be up finally this month Yay. and it is other pages other places and Jessica, if people want to reach out to talk about finding secondhand books, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter as at JM Bailey writes. And Steven, if people want to reach out to you about the sadness that is destroying of books, <laughs> where can they find you? Uh, you can find me across all social media as some version of Peppermint Gentleman. Uh, for Twitter, that's Peppermint Gent for short. Excellent. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found on our website at geekelitemedia.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and all the Geek Elite Media Network podcasts on whatever podcatcher you use. Helps us spread the word of our network and lets us keep doing all of these awesome things. 
if you have a couple extra dollars, please run over to our Patreon and help support us over there for new projects and extra episodes of all of our wonderful podcasts. But until next time, this is Love of Pages, reminding you to keep turning those pages and always remember to geek out. Geek out. Geek out. <laughs>